Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, it has been another scorching week out there, um, temperature-wise, anyway. It has been, what, triple digits a couple days. My goodness. When I got in the car yesterday to leave the office about 6 o'clock, it was 106 on my little readout, you know, Mm -hmm. in the car. Even when I got going and it kind of got acclimated. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was going to be there because it was it was about what it was at lunchtime when I went out. And so, uh, and then when I got down near the river, I knew it was going to go up because I, my record that I've ever seen was 108 one time. Oh my two, gosh. In 2008, 14 years ago. Wow. And it was when I crossed the Savannah River to go home, okay. right? So when I got down there, Riverwatch Parkway to go across the river, sure enough, it was reading 108 on my on oh my, my uh, temperature readout on my car. And then whenever I got on the bridge going across the river, it hit 109. Wow. So it was a smoking day. It, it, mm. it has to be the hottest day we're going to see this year. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it's been an incredibly hot couple weeks here. Yeah, definitely a heat wave and very sunny too, which adds to the heat index as well. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's hot. But I think we're going to get a break um, here Friday, which is tomorrow for us, um, mm-hmm. the day you're listening to this. So I think it's going to cool down a little bit. And, and then I think we're going to be more normal, kind of low to mid-90s here in the rest nice. of the next couple of weeks. We, nice. we need that break. And speaking of needing a break, we need a break in the stock market. <laughs> yes. Yikes. It has been a, a rough couple of weeks leading up to this week, although this week we've seen some nice recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so um, maybe maybe we're starting something. We'll see. I mean, the the market kind of liked the Fed's strong action they took a couple of weeks ago, um, raising interest rates. And then we've seen a little bit of of data indicating the economy may be softening a little bit and it may be taking effect. Mm, that'd be nice. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of, I think what's leading to the market coming back a little bit this week, but, but yeah, we're, we're having a tough year here. And um, so we're going to jump into that. We're going to, the first topic we're going to cover um, is going to be bear market lessons. And um, you know, so we're, since we're in a bear market officially, we're going to talk about some of the things we've learned from past bear markets and kind of what that may mean today mm. in today's bear market. Yeah, that's good. And for the second article, um, we'll <laughs> switch gears a lot and uh, discuss how to get health insurance without a job. This comes from the, the Ramsey Network. And are really interesting, if you don't have a job, um, you still need health insurance. We still get sick. We still need a uh, means of, of caring for our family. So how do we do that? And we'll, we'll touch on that in just a little bit. Yeah, that's a very important topic. Very good one, too. As well. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 27 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Matthew Travis. I'm also a certified financial planner and uh, am an advisor here at the firm. Yeah, and we are glad to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast up every Friday. Um, and you can check us on our website there. All of our shows are listed by category and dates. Um, so we, gee, we've been doing this for over 10 years. So mm-hmm. there are hundreds of shows there on our website and a lot of information about everything from Social Security, Medicare, to the stock market, to investing and insurance. You name it, it's there. Um, so do check us out there. A lot of resources on our website as well. It's moneymd.net. You can link to us there. You can send us your questions and we'll talk about those right here on the show. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Matthew, we're going to start off here as usual with the financial fact of the week. Okay, great. And this comes from uh, from Schwab's um, Center for Financial Research. They looked at both the bear and bull markets for the S&P 500 uh, going back 60 years, back into the 1960s, and found that the average bull market ran for about six years, delivering an average cumulative return of over 200%. The average bear market they saw lasted about 15 months compared to six years. Uh, with the average negative cumulative return, a loss of 38.4%. The longest of the bears was just over two and a half years, and it was followed by nearly five-year bull run. So it really just shows that, um, you know, there is, there's a lot of data that's showing that the bull markets tend to last longer than, than the bears. Oh, yeah, a lot longer. And I mean, 200% positive return in a bull market versus 38% negative in a bear market um, and that's the averages, but um, just shows you that if you're out of the market, you know, the odds are so much against you that you're going to miss some good market mm. when that happens. Really hard to time these bear markets. And, um, you know, considering we're already, we've already been in this now for six months, roughly, right. just right. about six months. Um, you know, if it's average 15 months, then that means we'd be out of this in nine months. Um, but you never know. I mean, I, th I think these are, these are good reasons to, to stay invested. Um, you know, this could be a short recession. You never know. It could be a short bear market. Um, we could be out of this pretty quick. So just really got to stay focused on the long term. The odds are greatly in your mm -hmm. favor if you do that you're going to you're going to reap the rewards whenever this uh, turns around. So Yeah, and it's, just a quick note on that. It's interesting. We we talk about this during the down markets, but we also talk about this during the up markets. If you listen to prior episodes when the markets are doing well, we still preach the same, um, you know, hey, the markets are down 25% of the time on average and up, you know, the, the remaining 75%. Right. So when it's down, it's that's when the discipline comes in to say, hey, this is what we're expecting. These are the averages. We can stay invested during that time. So it's hard, but... It can pay dividends, like you're saying. Yeah, and it's a great buying opportunity when markets are down. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, lots of things you can do when markets are down. You can do Roth conversions. So you just got to think about what you can control and what you what you can do mm -hmm. during these markets and not try to get tangled up in trying to time it. Um, That's right. So good factor of the week. And um, that follows right into our first topic, and that is bear market lessons. Um yeah, Matthew, when we look back at history, you know, it's easy to see the bear markets. They come and they go from time to time. Um, although the reasons are always a little bit different. And as we know, I mean, we we squarely entered a bear market territory just last week. Um, S&P 500 hit around a 23% down from its high on January the 3rd. And the NASDAQ index was actually down around 33% at that low point off of its high. Um from last fall. So, you know, very significant, you know, drops, obviously it does qualify for a bear market. And while it has bounced back a little bit this week, um, thankfully, you know, it looks like this bear market is probably here to stay for a while. Um, and it's also safe to say that, you know, a recession is a strong possibility later this year or next year. I mean, you never know. Um, but before we dive into why that's true, you might ask, you know, exactly what is a recession? Well, I mean, so recession, let's talk about that. Recession is technically two quarters of negative GDP growth. And it's normally accompanied by a rise in unemployment um, and declining activity throughout the economy. So, um, 
you know, we just had a quick recession just a couple of years ago in 2020 mm. during the pandemic, but that one was very fast um, and turned around real quickly. Yeah. So why would, you know, many people think uh, that we are headed to a recession? Well, one reason is that the S&P 500 hasn't been down this much um, in the past 30 years when it was not accompanied by a recession. So from that standpoint, uh, you have to assume there's a good chance that we are headed toward that kind of uh, economy slowdown. However, one common misconception is that the stock market is doomed from here if we head into a recession. The common feeling is that a recession is what drives the stock market into further declines, whereas the opposite is actually true. Recessions are partly caused by bear markets. The stock market is a leading economic indicator and actually leads the market, uh, actually leads the economy three to six months. So the, the stock market going down is actually a contributing factor that causes the economy to dip into a recession, not, not the other way around necessarily. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and that's an important fact that people need to keep in mind. You know, it's not like the tail wagging the dog here. Um, right. You know, the, the stock market is, is, is what drives, helps drive the, the economy, <clears throat> just as you pointed out. So how does that happen? Um, well, I mean, you might, when you think about it, it makes sense. I mean, when the market drops like it has, people start feeling less wealthy than they were before. Um, so people start asking themselves questions about, you know, is now the time to buy that new car or take that big trip that we were talking about and spend all that money? Um, you know, if even 10% of the public decides to delay some of their spending, that alone might be enough to push us into a recession. Mm -hmm. You know, economists call this the wealth effect. And that's a big component of why the stock market is a leading indicator and it helps drive the economy mm -hmm. <clears throat> because it, it does drive people's feelings about spending you know, of course, investors can can always expect down markets and uncertainty in the economy. So while volatility, you know, in periods like this one we're experiencing now can be unnerving, we have to learn to embrace this uncertainty if we want to be successful as an investor in the long run. You know, reacting to down markets is a good way to derail your progress toward reaching your financial goals. So here are three lessons from history um, that it has shown us in recessions like this and bear markets and, and how you can react to those. So here, here are the three lessons to keep in mind. Um, and if you don't plan, you know, there's a suggestion for that too. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a plan. So okay. here's number one. A recession is no reason to sell. So even if we're headed toward a recession, it does not mean that the market's doomed to a big drop from this point, okay? I mean, you know, first you have to realize that we're already in a bear market and history shows that, you know, the market is more likely to move higher from this point than it is to move lower, even if we hit a recession, you know? And that's true at any point in the market, regardless of how far down you are. The stock market statistically always has more than a 50% chance of moving higher from any point um, although it may seem very predictable that it's going to go lower. And, but even if we do have a recession and the market finds a new bottom from here and does move lower, history also shows that markets usually fall um, much fat. They, they usually don't fall much further from this point. Right. When you're already in a bear market, the market's technically already down 20%. Priced it in a little bit. It's already bit. priced mm -hmm. a lot of that in. So it usually doesn't fall that much. And in fact, you know, over the past 70 years, um, 
the average market decline has been around 32%. Um, so, you know, that's not a lot further than we've already seen at this point. In fact, over a third of the bear markets ended down no more than we've already seen at this point. Um, wow. uh, for, during those recessions and some of, the, well, some of those were recessions. Mm. So, um, so, you know, that's good news. I mean, we may not have that much further to fall. Yeah. And, and another just element of that is you then, uh, you can take the worry and stress off of trying to time, uh, the markets from here to, uh, you don't have to do that to have a terrific return and to be successful. Markets have a fantastic history of heading higher after a downturn, like we have seen this year. Over the past century, U.S. stocks have averaged great returns over one, three, and five-year periods following a decline uh, into the bear market territory. A year after the S&P 500 crossed into bear market territory, uh, which is a bear market is just 20% down from the market's previous high, it rebounded by about 22% on average after that first year. After three years, it was about 41% and 71% after five years. So the you know the big takeaway would just to be to stay invested and not try to time in right. and out of when you do that. Statistically, it's exactly where we are today um, you know, with, with those kinds of odds behind us going forward. Um, so yeah, don't, don't try to mess, don't try to uh, add to your returns by trying to time the market in and out. Statistically, you'd be better just to leave it where it is. Yeah. Statistically, you know, history shows that from this point, you have a great return in one, three and five years, right. um, on average. So, uh, yeah, don't mess with that. I mean, that's, those are great odds to put behind you. Now's a good time to add money. From that perspective, so I really like that one. Um, next one here is, you know, you time the market at your peril, you know, I mean, for the reasons we just stated. But also, I mean, when stocks have declined, it might be tempting to sell to stem further losses. I mean, that's always the thing people are thinking about, right? Um, and you think, you know, you'll sit it out until things get a bit better. Um, but by the time markets are less volatile, you've often missed part of their recovery. And yes, it stings to watch your portfolio shrink, but imagine how you will feel when it's, you know, when it's stuck while the market rebounds, when you're, you're stuck in fixed income mm -hmm. and you're out of the market whenever it's rebounding. You know, big return days are hard to predict and you really don't want to miss them. If you invested $1,000 in the S&P 500 continuously from the beginning in 1990, um, through the end of 2020, so over a 30-year period, you would have amassed over $20,000. Um, if you missed just the single best day, you would have only had 18329 so a little bit over $18,000. would have cost yourself a couple thousand dollars there. If you only, um, if you missed the best five days, it would only be about $13,000. So the best five days mm. accounted for... I don't know, you know, it must be 30%, 30 or, 40% of right, return. Yeah, right. a big part of the return. So you don't want to, you don't want to mess with that. Um, and also a century of economic cycles teaches us that while we may be well in a recession before this is over, it also shows that you likely won't know it for sure till it's over, till it's behind us, actually, um, until it's over. In fact, history shows that stock markets actually bottomed and headed higher before we know that we're in a recession oftentimes. Um, so consider the fact that, you know, this down market started in January long before any talk of a recession or the Fed even starting to raise interest rates. Um, so that was, like we said, it was about six months ago. 
And the same is usually true of the recovery where the stock market turns positive before anybody predicts it. And, you know, everyone is questioning why, you know, that it's going up or is this recovery real? And at the same time, you know, it starts before right. you expect it. So to time the market correctly, I mean, you'd have to sell close to this peak, back, close to the peak back in January, January 3rd, while everybody else was feeling a little giddy about mm -hmm. where the economy and the market was headed this year. And that was back when, you know, overly enthusiastic investors, remember, were buying cryptocurrencies mm -hmm. and, you know, NFTs. <laughs> I mean, things and that we... see what's happened to those since that point. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so that's when you would have had them in selling. So remember those days? I mean, you know, they didn't seem like they were that long ago. Um, well, you know, the point is, at this juncture, you are far better off riding out any remaining downturn um, statistically so that you'll be well positioned for recovery when that happens. Markets turn positive fast. They recover much of the downturn in the first few weeks following a bottom. So trying to time this move is very dangerous. You know, you might find yourself in the group who missed that five best days and destroy your overall return if you're not careful. Yeah, that's good. And just a quick note on that, you know, the, the, the a, a good um, thing that you could consider is asking yourself, why are you investing? Uh, we typically plan for money to last until age 95. So if you're, right. you know, under 90, this is five plus years, you know, likely decades that we want, we were planning for this money to grow. So just a very short window. It's, it's hard to uh, make a, make a reasonable judgment uh, if you don't know some of this data. So yeah, asking yourself, why are you investing in, and then having that long-term approach? Um, but the third reason, um, uh, you know, a third uh, opportunity for you during this down market it, it would be to reassess your portfolio and your plan. We saw many fads crop up through the pandemic from from baking to puppy, puppy adoptions. Uh, did you experiment with one of these pandemic investment fads, meme stocks or cryptocurrencies? Uh, if so, it may be time to put those new new fads uh, that were recently uh, very popular in the rearview mirror. Uh, fads come and go and, and rarely repeat. Uh, but su successful investing, it does take discipline and requires employing decades of, of this academic uh, approach to investing that we've been talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And you also need to look at your portfolio and make sure you're properly diversified. I mean, you know, ask yourself, do you know all the names of the stocks that you own? Well, if you do, then you probably own too few stocks and you're not <laughs> right, really diversified, right. right? So you shouldn't know the names of all your stocks because they should be hundreds, if not thousands, you know, and there really should probably be mutual funds or index mm -hmm. funds or ETFs. Um, you know, if you have a significant poor percentage of your, of your portfolio allocated to international stocks, you know, that's another key. Um, so you have to ask yourself, do you have that? Um, you know, about half the global market's comprised of foreign stocks. So you should have some significant representation of that in your portfolio. So anyway, look at your whole portfolio. Make sure that you're properly allocated um, so that you, you do give yourself the best chance to recover when markets start up. That is another key to making sure you're successful long term. You should have small value. You should have profitability companies. There's a lot of parts to being mm -hmm. in a well-designed, well-diversified portfolio. Um, and one of the best ways to deal with the, the volatility that markets have and the disappointing returns is to have planned well for them during your retirement with a financial plan, with mm -hmm. a retirement plan. You know, a good financial plan incorporates a lot of down years like this one, and it tests to ensure that your plan still will achieve your goals. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so if you don't have a plan in place, give us a call. Um, you know, we'd be happy to help you take some of the anxiety out of this bear market while ensuring that you're on track for your future. So those are the bear market lessons. And that brings us to the question of the week. Yeah, that's a good article. And, and so this question um, comes from a from a client uh, and they were asking, should I keep my IRAs in CDs or should I move them into the uh, into the market with all this uncertainty in the markets? Yeah, well, that's a great question. You know, I mean, and that really depends on your risk tolerance and your objectives, mm. you know. So there's a couple of pieces of information we got to we'd have to talk about to uh, to make that to give you a good answer on that. I mean, CDs are obviously not going to keep up with inflation. So you're losing um, purchasing power, you know, compared to inflation. If you're staying in CDs, I just sat down with somebody this morning that had a, had a two year CD with, that was paying 0.45%. And I'm like, you know, I mean, inflation's 8%. I mean, right. Just eating it alive. You know, you're not accomplishing much here. Plus rates are going up. So you don't want to lock into something two years when you're, when you're, you know, rates are going to be a lot sure. higher in six months. So, um, so, but the stock market is the best way to grow your money over time. And, and it's selling at a discount right now. So it's a great question to be asking, you know, should you be investing that? Um, but you need to decide what your objectives are first. That's mm. really the key. That's so, good. Good answer. Good question. All right. And that leads us up here to our next topic. And that is how to get health insurance without a job. What happens when you lose your job? Yeah. So it's not a fun conversation, right? No one, no one enjoys losing your job. On top of that, you're probably also wondering, yeah, what do you do with health insurance? If you have a family, I've got, you know, kids or, you know, a spouse, what, what do you do with that? Um, you know, my group coverage is gone. Uh, you know, we would encourage you don't panic. Uh, sure. Trying to figure out how this, um, you know, how to get health insurance without a job can be challenging. Um, there are multiple ways um, that you can go about this. And we've got eight options here. Uh, we'll move through these pretty quick, but yeah, eight, eight options for healthcare without a job. Yeah. The first one here is short-term health insurance, you know, um, short-term insurance policy. It's called a temporary or limited term health po insurance policy. It usually lasts 30 to 90 days and it's designed to cover health emergencies, lapses in coverage for a short period of time, you know, and it's not perfect, but it can help if you're facing the sudden job change um, and lose your insurance or don't have insurance. So here are a couple of things to know, though, about short-term health policies. You know, they don't cover everything. These policies won't give you the same coverage you'd get from a traditional, you know, mm -hmm. medical policy. Um, so don't expect coverage for stuff like maternity care, mental health, preventive care, or, or even pre-existing conditions for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, they can cover some of the inpatient, outpatient procedures, emergency room visits, intensive care costs. So, you know, they, they do provide some coverage there. And they can be expensive, too. On a short-term policy, deductibles, out-of-pockets, um, expenses tend to be higher than a traditional plan. Mm -hmm. And uh, remember, the operative word here is temporary. You know, the silver lining is the premiums are usually affordable, and the coverage can start pretty quickly, but... Mm -hmm. It's not very comprehensive. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a good one. The second one is uh, Cobra. Um, with Cobra Insurance, you can extend your employer-based coverage for a limited period of time after you've left your job. Um, so pro for Cobra is um, employers must allow employees to keep their health care plan uh, for 18 months after they've left their job or to have that available for employees after they've left. Um, so yeah, it can give you a good window when you're working through that, that next job situation. A con uh, for Cobra 
uh, is that you will pay the full cost. I think you can actually pay up to a little bit over the full cost um, in some yeah. cases yeah. Um, of the health insurance premium yourself. So your employer will, will no longer be pitching in anymore. Um, based on that math, it can be more expensive, um, but you can talk to your employer and see what the cost for COBRA would be uh, if you were if you were to leave or if you if you have left what that cost is. Yeah, at least with COBRA, you get to continue your existing policy. Yeah, that's right. And so it gives you some time to transition if you're, you know, if you're pregnant or something, you know, you can you can get through that whole process that's right. and and uh, continue with what you've been familiar with. Um, Another option, though, is the marketplace. Um, you know, now that we have the health insurance marketplace, um, you know, if you lost your job or left your employer for any reason, you can get coverage on the government-run healthcare marketplace immediately. Um, so you don't have to to uh, you have to do it immediately within sixty days. Um, but you qualify to do it outside of open enrollment because you've had a a life change. And so, but here are a couple tips for getting marketplace health insurance. You know, first look for subsidies that can help with the rising cost of insurance. You might qualify for that um, through uh, through Medicaid or through the Children's Health Insurance Program as well. Um, so you might qualify for tax credits, but the subsidies on the marketplace can help. And also look into high deductible plans. If you and your family are healthy and you don't go to the doctor very often, I mean, month premiums can be a lot lower and you'll qualify to start um, a health savings account if you have an HSA qualified policy as well. Mm, so the ACA, that's a good option. Yeah. Uh, this fourth one is Medicaid uh, and or uh, CHIP, C-H-I-P, which is for children. Uh, Medicaid gives aid to people with disabilities, the elderly, pregnant women, children, and families on low incomes. It currently covers... Uh, over 80 million Americans and is available in all states to those who qualify. If you do qualify for Medicaid, it can reduce your monthly premiums and certain costs like co-payments, deductibles, out-of-pocket bills, um, items like that. Uh, Medicaid eligibility is based on your income and the size of your household, not your job situation. Medicaid is, is uh, usually free, although some states can charge you a share of the cost. Uh, but in most cases, you, you won't have to pay anything. Next, you might wonder, how long does my income have to be, how low does it have to be to qualify? Um, Medicaid income levels are based on the government's federal poverty level, and you can go to healthcare.gov and, and see how uh, what that looks like for your family. Um, but if, you're, if your income for your household is too high, um, but too low to afford, it's too high for Medicaid, but too low to afford the private insurance, um, you know, your, your children still may be able to qualify for that CHIP. That chip mm, program chip with program. the government as well. Yep. Good. I've heard about that. Yeah. Um, and then the next one here is Medicare. Um, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, they sound the same, but they're very different. Medicare is the health insurance coverage for people who are 65 or older, you know, and it's also available for people under 65 who have, have received Social Security disability benefits for more than two years. But Medicare, you know, covers, um, you know, anything really i mean you know it, it just covers basic health insurance right. you can buy a part you get part a free part b you pay for a premium part c is the medicare advantage which mm -hmm. kind of is comprehensive which substitutes for the others and part d is the prescription drug coverage so yeah you need to look into that if you're over 65 you definitely have to want to get on medicare for sure for yeah. sure yep that's right um, the, the sixth one is private individual plan. Um, you can buy this uh, health insurance plan directly from the health insurance companies or by working with an insurance agent. Uh, the coverage may not be as good as policies on the Affordable Care Act marketplace, 
um, but at least you'll have something for emergencies. You you won't get the subsidies associated with the marketplace, but um, the plans can still be you know through Blue Cross Blue Shield or other insurance agencies like that. So you can go directly to the companies um, if if you if you can afford that. Yeah, that's right. Another option here that's becoming more popular is healthcare sharing plans. Um, you know, one option that's rising in popularity are these uh, sharing plans like MediShare. Um, you know, and these work pretty much like health insurance. They have monthly premiums. Um, they don't call them premiums, but they're premiums. And they right. they have defined coverage terms. Um, the difference is that instead of having insurance company pay for your medical bills, other participants actually through that plan pay for your medical cost. Um, so it's, it, there's a bunch of different varieties of this, but they're pretty popular. And some of them have um, that the cost is, is usually, you know, a half of what a typical policy right. would cost. So it's, it becomes very affordable. Um, the, the con I guess would be is they usually don't cover preexisting conditions for three years. Mm-hmm. So if you have some significant underlying condition, then then it may not pick that up. Yeah, that's definitely something to consider with those. All right, then this last one, uh, spouses or parents health insurance plan. Um, you know, your spouse's plan typically is not the most cost-effective option in normal circumstances, but if you're unemployed and married and your spouse has health insurance through their employer, uh, you can usually be included on their policy. If you're under 26 years old, you can also consider going back on your parents' insurance policy. Uh, you, they may not like that, but that may be an option just for the for the intermediary term while you're looking for, um, you know, job or, or some other health insurance plan. Yeah, up to age 26, I believe it is mm-hmm. now. That's so right. That's good. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, and this prescription um, is to consider downsizing your house going into retirement, especially if you still have a mortgage on your home. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a great way to lower your expenses. Um, you know, certainly if you truly downsize, that's the key. You got to make sure that when you downsize, you're really downsizing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just moving into a smaller, nicer house where you you, you, have, the, you have the same out of pocket, you know, expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that. I see people do that, but you got to make sure that you're gonna you're gonna either be able to pay off the mortgage, you're gonna be able to save some money, you're gonna be able to buy a smaller house um, for real, and um, that's less expensive, but that's also going to save you expenses monthly, you know, with a smaller house to upkeep. And it'll just simplify your life in saving, I mean, in retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a great move. Just just be careful and make sure you you know, you know, go in it with your eyes open and know exactly what you're what you're doing and mm-hmm. whether you're really saving money. So yeah, that's good. Good prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, where you can link to us there. You can send us your questions or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 